0: Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. Today we're going to talk about the after-effects of a near-death experience after we share the experience of Karen Schaefer, who I think is a good example of, of the after-effects uh, that, we, that uh, we're going to talk about. So she says, Shortly after his birth, that's her, her son's birth, I had the most horrific dream that I would be in a terrible car crash that would take my life. For months I was terrified and was extremely cautious and on the lookout for a monster vehicle. By the time my son was seven months old, I convinced myself that it was only a dream, nothing of what was to come. I had a brand new teaching position, a baby, a home, my husband to take care of. I had put too much energy into this thing. Then it happened. I had left school right away that day. I, wa- I wanted to pick up my son from his grandmother and hurry back to school to watch a baseball game. It was a picture-perfect way to spend the afternoon with my son. As I was exiting the freeway with casual caution, I made a left-hand turn on a light that had been green for some time. This was my lucky day, I thought. Then, in an instant, I was gone. Immediately, I was in the most beautiful, serene place I had ever been. My grandfather, another person whom I had known in a previous life, a guardian uh, and a guardian were ready to help me with the transition. They told me of the accident, showed me the sight. It was my time to come home, they said. The overwhelming love and happiness of that place was so inviting. I could feel myself becoming lighter each moment. In a fit of fear and panic, I began crying. No, I couldn't be dead. What would happen to my son? He was seven months old. He would never remember me. His father didn't even know how to take care of him. I didn't want him to be raised by his father's parents. No, 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 this was not the time to go. They were wrong. In an embrace of love, they calmed me by showing me that my son, my entire family, would be okay after my death. My mother could lean on my grandmother. It would take time, but she would heal. My husband, hurt, sad, and lonely, would also heal and eventually find love once again. Death is part of the lessons we are to learn on Earth. And my death was an important lesson for those involved in my life. I was shown my funeral, taught how to be near those I loved, and told I could eventually communicate with those whose spirits were open. I could accept this. They would be fine. I was feeling lighter all the time. But wait, my son. I couldn't leave my son. Babies need their mommies. I needed to be his mommy. I couldn't let go. Such, so much patience was shown to me, so much love. My guides explained that the feelings I was having were still a connection to my human side. Once my humanness wore off, I would feel light as air, utter happiness and extreme love. Words do not do the feelings justice. They worked to help me f- throw off my human weight. The feelings were so great and seemed to pull in pull me in stronger and stronger yet my connection to my son was so, was so strong. We wondered if this beautiful place for or wandered in this beautiful place for what seemed an eternity. We discussed my life. We discussed religion. We discussed secrets of the soul that as humans we must forget lest we never be able to thrive on earth. All the while, I was in awe. Some things were just as I always dreamed an afterlife would be. Some was just plain wrong, and I remember thinking, Wow, where were my other loved ones? When could I see my other grandparents who had passed? In time, they were on a different realm. When my transition was complete, I could choose to go to other levels when I was ready. Every now and then, thoughts of my son would make me heavy once again. I couldn't bear the thought of him growing up without a mother. I was told others would be a mother for me. First grandparents, and then they showed me Jake's life. He was the most beautiful boy, so happy, but a touch of sadness that seemed to pierce his soul. This was his lesson to tackle. He knew coming into this life, the lessons he was to learn, it was meant to be. I was a new mom for Jake when he was seven or eight. Uh, Let's see. I saw a new mom for Jake when he was about seven or eight. A beautiful woman, kind-hearted, who definitely cared for Jake and treated him well. But she was to have her own child with my widowed husband, and the love she showed for her own child was different and unequal to the love she showed for my child, her stepchild. This isn't what I dreamed for Jake. This couldn't be. I was happy for my husband. He was okay. He was happy. My son was a different story. Other lessons were learned in the constant patient job of transitioning me to the other side. I had to let go. At times I became hysterical, and then moments later I was calm and serene. I saw a girl child who had, meant to, or who had been meant in Jake's place. But before conception, plans changed and there was a need for Jake's spirit to take her place. There was much upheaval that Jake could help mend, and he did. At a time when I felt the closest to accepting my death, I experienced a resurge of sorrow and pain, longing for my son, for my life, I couldn't let go of my human life. My guides tried their hardest. They never gave up. They never became discouraged. It is unbelievable the amount of patience and love they exuded. Finally, my hysteria was calmed by a higher spirit who seemed to envelop me in love. My guides were instructed to allow me to return. Despite their pleas to allow them more time, They were told that at this point, my spirit would not rest. It was best to let me return, to settle my spirit, learn further lessons. My pleading won my return for the time being. I understood before my descent that my friends and family had lessons that were being postponed, but they would have to learn at some point the lessons that my death taught arrangements were made for when where how my spirit would return what lessons were i and what what lessons were i to have enriched or acquire new some lessons learned in my arrival on the other side would have to be forgotten and it was not good for my soul to know when i was dying again or else as a human i would focus only on that especially as the time neared the things i remember were being taken back to the accident site and just before my descent. I was told that when my children were older, it would be time to come home for good. I accepted it immediately. But then, wait, what qualifies as older? Does it mean only a few years older? Teenagers? Will I live to see them marry or to to have their own children? This was a difficult aspect to deal with immediately after the incident. I had a life with my son again. I had to spend it right, for I had no idea how much longer I had left. I was told I was lucky to survive. A large utility truck ran a red light and hit the driver's side of my tiny compact car. Despite wearing a seatbelt, the doctors say I would not have survived if it were not for the airbags to open something that is not supposed to happen in a side impact. The first year after the accident I was, or the first year after the accident was an attempt to live the best I could, the happiest I could. I was suffering however from a severe pain from a fractured shoulder bone, broken ribs, and two hip fractures. I was told the pain should disappear in six months to a year at the worst. Three years later the pain has not gone away. The second year, however, seemed to be the worst. I became suicidal. All I wanted to do was return to this place, this life that was so awesome, so filled with love, so joyous. My son and later my daughter were the only things that made me go on. I was here for them. Today, only three years later, I have accepted my return to Earth long to return to my afterlife home and struggle to find peace and happiness until my time here comes to its final end. And then she quotes, I believe there are two sides to the phenomenon as uh, known as death. This side where we live and the other side where we shall continue to live. Eternity does not start with death. We are in eternity now. That is Norman Vincent Peel. At least I think she was the one quoting that. That's the end of, of the account by Karen Schaefer. So this actually isn't the best example of after effects because we don't hear much about after, but it does illustrate um, a couple of interesting points. Um, one, she was desperate to come back while she was there, which is. I don't want to say rare, but less common. It's more common that people want to stay um, while they're on the other side. They want to stay. uh, And they are either encouraged, convinced, or forced to come back anyway. Uh, But she has an interesting experience of wanting to come back and needing to come back and insisting on coming back repeatedly until her request is finally granted it's interesting that she sees the future life of her son and um, gets to see how well he'll do without her and yet she still feels that she needs to come back and she does she succeeds in coming back and uh, and then it's interesting how when she does come back all she can think about is going back to the other side I think her guides knew that would be the case. I think they knew it would be exceptionally hard for her and tried hard to convince her because she wouldn't want to stay. But, of course, being... You know, I mean, these these, uh, these are people. These are human beings, albeit, you know, uh, spirit beings. and uh, And she, as a spirit being, thinking that all she really wanted to do was come back um, ultimately once she did she realized that how hard it was and how long she was experienced severe pain that she, I mean that's rough and and I don't it's not clear but it sounds like uh, it's about three years later that she recorded this experience I didn't look further into it, but she's saying now, years later, um, it's still here. The pain is still here three years in. And so it kind of hints that it's been about three years. Um, but she is raising her children and she's able to do that for her children, which was very important to her. Okay. So the beginning of this, she talks about a dream that was so real and so, um, um, overwhelming that it kind of became an obsession for a long time and she was sure it was going to come true and you know years and this was shortly after the birth of her son that she had this dream and it's interesting because in the dream it seems that it was a terrifying experience but in real life she has she didn't really experience anything. She's just turning a corner and suddenly she's in this beautiful place. It sounds like she got slammed so hard that it just knocked her out before she even had a chance to uh, recall that she was knocked out. Not to mention that her brain probably, as often happens with things like concussion, um, memory's just wiped out. You know, it just shuts off uh, short-term memory uh, retention uh, or can't keep it. <laughs> and uh, and so when they recover, they can't remember the incident. And that could be what's happened. But either way, it doesn't sound like there was any suffering involved with her death. Um, her return, on the other hand, is a different story. But the point is, she had this dream. Now, when people have near-death experiences, something happens. And sometimes there are premonitions of the oncoming death. That's almost as common as these after effects that I'm going to talk about. But they, uh, they have some kind of premonition that something is going to happen. Now, if you're like me and others, you, you've had premonitions that haven't come to pass. So, <laughs> it doesn't mean if you ever have a premonition it means it's going to happen. It might, might not, I don't know. I had premonition of my own death on my way home from work one day, that I wasn't going to make it home alive. I wasn't scared. I felt quite comforted. But I had a premonition I would die on the way home, and I didn't. (laughs) Or at least that I would have a bad accident, and I didn't. And it never happened. So, and that was like 10 years ago. So, um, you know, premonitions may or may not happen. Uh, It could be that the Spirit is saying, you have a choice. You can... Follow through with this exit point. We can someday talk about exit points, uh, opportunities for the spirit to return if it's appropriate, and it, it, if the spirit chooses to at that time. And it's hard to, well, we'll have to talk more about the separateness of the body and the spirit thought processes because there is something to be said for that. I'm getting off topic. <laughs> I'm sorry about this um, after effects. Let's just go into that for a minute. Many people who have near death experiences find in the time after their experience, sometimes immediate, sometimes it takes years for these things to start taking effect. Usually it's, you know, within a few months or something that things start happening. And these things that start happening can be any number of things. Um, among them are a closerness to people, a sense of a greater sense of empathy and compassion. And one might argue that that, particularly that sense of empathy and compassion, um, may stem from their life review and seeing broader perspective, as well as seeing life for what it really is a little bit more than many of us get to do. Uh, But there seems to be a little bit more to it than that. Because many will will see someone and they will sense that that person is deeply troubled about something and they will go and speak to that person. And And it's, you know, that person may be laughing at a scene in a movie at the time they get this sense, you know, so it's not like they're seeing it in their face or they're or something they can actually sense there's something going wrong in this person's life and they talk to them afterward and the person will just burst out in tears and, and spill out that this and such is going on and it's, and it's just tearing them apart and so forth. And uh, that is probably a, the most common side effect, um, after effect, let me say. The other is premonitions and premonitions seem to be somewhat random in the sense that I've not heard of too many uh, ND ears near-death experiencers, um, having premonitions that they can prevent or that they can prepare people for. It's more of they see somebody, you know, like they'll have a dream of somebody they love getting in a car accident. And they may even tell them of it, or maybe not, you know, and no matter what, they tend to have that car accident, that individual. Sometimes it will be something like I heard of one uh, experiencer who was at Thanksgiving dinner table and she looked up and saw one of her family members um, head was gone and in place of it was a skull. And it wasn't a terrifying experience like you would expect but they saw it and they realized something's going to happen to them. And I think at this point they hadn't explained their near-death experience, or maybe they had been rejected um, in the attempt to share it. And uh, they, and then of course the person died. You know, within I think a year or something like that. It was a premonition. So they get premonitions. The, they'll even have premonitions of things like the phone is about to ring. You know, sometimes they can say, oh, there's Gertrude. And then, "Ring!" the phone will ring. And they'll pick it up and they'll say, hello, Gertrude. And she'll be like, how did you know it was me? You know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, and, uh, and these days you may not get the how did you know it was me because of caller ID. But many of these experiences happened before caller ID was a thing. And sometimes they'll get the premonition and the call is later that day, you know, and hours later or whatever, but they'll have experiences of recognizing people's thoughts. And they, when I say they, these are all uh, different experiences by different people. Some may experience many of these after effects. Some of them may experience one or two. There are many who don't experience any after effects at all. There are also many, and hopefully we'll get have time to get to this. But uh, there are many who have had these kind of experiences all their life, and uh, and we can get into that in a bit, hopefully. But um, so they'll experience people's thoughts. They'll they'll be able to look at someone and recognize they're thinking about you know the uh, their boyfriend's dad who is sick at the hospital and you know they'll go to him and say is bob's dad sick and and she'll say yeah how did you know that i'm really worried about him or whatever you know and it's like well i did that's it just i just knew you know and they have they can experience people's thoughts some people i i heard of one i it may have been betty edie i I can't remember in an interview. Anyway, um, some people who have these kind of experiences uh, will be able to drive down the road and glance at the different cars and know exactly what those people, what's on their minds. And they say it's kind of unnerving because people often drive very distracted. You know, they're worried about their child, they're really hungry, they don't know where they're going and are having a hard time finding their way. They're singing along with the radio. And she may not even see the people's faces. It may be, you know, clouded over windows, whatever, uh, shaded windows. And yet she can sense exactly what that person is thinking about. Not always, but fairly regularly. A lot of these people in these after effects, they will pray and pray for these effects to go away because it's very distracting. And And not only that, but we live in a very broken, mortal world where people suffer constantly. You know, everybody's suffering with something. And the few people who are, who are really on top of things at any given time are few and far between enough that if you were to feel the feelings of everyone you meet, it could be overwhelming. And it is for many of these people. And they, and they say, I, I, I can't be around a lot of people for very long you know they'll go to a fair or something and and they they need to take like 3 days being a hermit after that to recover because of all the, just this complete overload of emotions of all these different people and uh, and that level is uncommon but is a, not unheard of let's just let's just put it that way i would say one out of you know 20 people who have a near-death experience, that's, I'm just throwing that number out there, I guess, um, have that level of, of intuitiveness toward other people, being able to recognize thoughts, feelings, and, and just be overwhelmed by them like that. Um, but it happens. One lady <laughs> uh, after her, and, so, and sometimes these kind of, uh, that level of intuitive, empathic, ness and so forth and, and sense of of love for all um, can be very strong right after the experience, but then fade after several months, sometimes after a couple of weeks. sometimes you know they it's just it's just kind of like an afterglow of the effect or of the experience. <clears throat> and so they will, you know, have them for a while and then it will drift off. Other times, like I said, people will pray and beg for them to be taken away. And often they will be taken away so that they don't have that. Usually there's still some minor after effects that retain, but but uh, some of them haven't taken away. Others learn to channel them properly. They're like, you know what? I've got this gift. I can, I can see through people so well. Maybe I should become... A psychologist, or a uh, you know, some kind of traditional uh, not traditional um, empathic uh, psychic. Some of them (laughs) will be, and others will, you know, use it to become a counselor, something like that, because they can really use their gift to be able to help people, and uh, which is a really great blessing, and yet a burden also. One that uh, most people, if they experienced for a time, probably wouldn't want, but would find great use in it if they chose to use it for such. Other after effects, and and they can get really weird. Sometimes um, the people are like, I don't get it. I don't know why this is the case, but um, some people will have electromagnetic sensitivity okay? And, you know, I'm kind of being the messenger here in sharing this because I don't get it. What, what does that have to do with anything? Why? Why? But this is really common. The people who have had near-death experiences are suddenly, they, they can't wear wristwatches is, is one of the things they keep saying because they just stop working. Those stop working, or the battery will be drained so ridiculously fast. You know, within within a couple of weeks or something, the battery's drained, and you're like, I just got this watch, and you know how watches are—they last five years sometimes on a on a battery. But um, phones, they will—you know—portable phones, they'll often just have so much trouble with them. It's just not worth using. They're like, forget it, forget it. <laughs> it's no use carrying this thing around, and they have to use wind-up uh, watches in order to keep time, and and I mean. It sounds ridiculous, but this is the experience they have. And they're like, I don't, what the heck does this have to do with having a near-death experience? And yet, it's been documented enough times that there's something to it. Though we don't know what it is. Included in this, sometimes they will have lights flicker in their houses. So, so they'll walk into a room and the light will just and go out. You know, or, or they'll walk in and it'll just kind of brown out kind of a thing. And, uh, and so, and they're like, well, that's <laughs> where they go. This happens. And, uh, sometimes they will have, um, a- another after effect, uh, separate. That's, that's all seems to have to do with the electromagnetic sensitivity. There's even one lady, um, regarding that who, who was looking at a spreadsheet document on her computer. And if I remember right. It may have been PMH Atwater, which she's got several books out about her experiences. She's had three near-death experiences. So she's really, um, she's got some serious after effects. And uh, as well as very familiar with these things. One time she was looking at a spreadsheet document and it had a two at one point and And just just a passive, almost subconscious thought, you know, she wasn't thinking about it. She's like... Oh, that's, I thought that was supposed to be a three. And suddenly it changed to a three. Just wink. And changed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, it's a three now. <laughs> I mean, what? I don't get it. But there is some kind of electromagnetic sensitivity that seems to be common among experiencers. Um, another common after effect is seeing... Or hearing or experiencing spirits from the other side. Uh, this seems to be a fairly common one, and it is not as frightening as it sounds like it would be to someone who is not familiar with these things. It's not like um, seeing ghosts all the time or something like that. It's, and there may be a little bit of that, a little bit of creepiness sometimes, but for the most part, it's they just have loved ones visit them. I mean, imagine if you, if you. Uh, you know, just suddenly sent someone near and you turned and, and realize it almost like you realized you're looking at your grandma, not, not that, uh, not that she's just standing there, you know, it's, it's like you, you look and you sense her there and you're like, Oh, Hey, and then she maybe somehow kind of materializes there and then begins to converse with you. Okay. And, and it, it may be a little bit kind of, uh, okay, oh, it's grandma. I know grandma. I love grandma. And she's got her happy smile about her and, and so happy to see me. And I sent, and, and often, you know, when they have these kind of experiences, they'll have that loving feeling, which I'm sure counteracts the fear that would normally be there when a spirit appears in front of you. <laughs> that, uh, um, is, it seems to be a thing that, that there's not the scariness that you might expect. Um, But that's a common after effect. They'll either hear uh, people's voices or they will see them. Um, Sometimes they can just downright sense what they're going through. You've maybe heard of mediums, which are people who converse with spirits on the other side, usually on behalf of someone else, uh, if they're doing it professionally, for example. Um, People who have had near-death experiences often are able to channel people, uh, other people, or at least make contact with them. And, uh, you know, you hear the descriptions of how they do it and what what goes on with all that, and I, I don't get it. I, I, I don't get it. It's it's like, well, are you seeing them? Well, no, it's more like I feel. Well, are you, you know, imagining them in your mind? Well, yeah, but it, it's more than that. And, you know, it's like, there's no words for it you know, but to somebody who's had a near-death experience, they're familiar with things that don't have words for them. (laughs) So it's not like it's like um, unnerving or strange to them anymore. It's like they don't know how to describe it, but it's very clear what they're experiencing. Now, I would not say from that that all mediums are um, legit, Uh, but I also... Have come to realize that there is probably something to that. What? I don't know. Would I go to a medium to talk to somebody? Probably not. Um, Partly because of my upbringing and partly because I have, I feel like, well, they're, just because they're channeling the other side doesn't necessarily mean they're channeling the exact person who they say they are. That, that spirit on the other side may be able to verify where I live or my children's names or things that, this, that the medium didn't know. But that's not to say that some other spirit isn't superimposing as my grandmother. You know, I have reservations about that just because I recognize that there are spirits on the other side that want to be able to reach um, people on this side to be able to share a message or something. Totally understandable. But you got to be careful because, you know, just just as there are deceptive people here on earth, there are deceptive people there. If you were to drop an individual gently, not, not from a height, but set a person in just a random city in the United States, just, just, you know, spin the globe and, and touch a spot and drop them right there. And then the first people that they talk to, um, will be the people who who they uh, learn from and and are you know spend the rest of their life with or whatever, what's the chances that they're good people? Well, at least sixty percent probably, maybe seventy percent chance. I, I don't know. It depends on the kind of people that they're you know, there's there's so many ifs, ands and buts about type of people in the world. And I think there's it's that way on the other side. Now, I think they definitely lean more toward good on the other side than we do here because there's so much of brokenness and corruption that feeds what we experience here that I don't think there's as much of that. So there may be a little bit more contrast um, on the other side. But uh, but it's not a complete, utter contrast. It's not polarized. Anyway, anyway, um, again, going off. I'm sorry. I'm. It's a distracted day for me, I guess. But I think this is all stuff that's, that's rather meaningful. Here's another point that I want to make about the uh, um, near-death experience and after effects. It appears very strongly from, from things that I've read and, and the experiences I've come across that someone who has had a near-death experience is much more likely to have one again than just the next random person. So if I've had a uh, near-death experience, it's, you know, and, and then I have another brush with death, if you will, or a brush with um, unintended unconsciousness that's not sleep or whatever, you know, get knocked out or get, uh, you know, and put under anesthesia or whatever and And uh, unconscious, um, I'm much, much, much more likely to have a near-death experience again than someone who has not had one. Why is that? I don't know. I suspect it's the same thing as with the after effects. I think there's something about the veil that is placed over us that for someone who has had a near-death experience, it gets broken or it gets thinned or you know, think of frayed jeans that <laughs> that are not the tough fabric that they used to be. There, they've uh, there's a leak in them, if you will, in the knees or whatever. That's a weird analogy, but but the point is, I think the veil becomes broken for some of them, and that can be both a curse and a gift um, because, like I said, it can be overwhelming. And having abilities that other people don't have is a hard thing for a lot of people, and. Um, Because of that, though, because of that, many people who have what seem to be the after effects without having had a near-death experience, by that I mean somebody maybe has this weird electromagnetic sensitivity. What the heck is up with this? Or they have premonitions that the phone is going to ring and it happens. Or they have dreams that seem to come true. Or they have this, this strong empathy towards people that seems to be deeper than other people. Often, if you were to ask them, did you ever have a close brush with death when you were younger? They will sometimes say, well, you know, when I was seven, I I had this experience. I got hit by a car and woke up in the hospital. And I don't remember anything from it. But, you know, close close brush with death. I was knocked out um, from that experience. And it's like, hmm, do you remember having these kind of... uh, premonitions before that. And often they'll say, No, I, I don't remember any before that, but I was so young, so I don't know. And it's, it's suspicious. Um, another, you know, often you'll have people who have grown up very empathic, very, maybe even some a little bit of psychic abilities. Uh, and they talk to their parents and say, Did I ever have a close brush with death as a baby, or as a young person? That I didn't know about, and parents will look at each other, kind of like, should we tell them? Should we? And and they'll talk about a drowning in the bathtub where they were rushed to the hospital and not breathing for an hour or something. You know, I mean, ridiculous stories where you're like, you what? And you never told me. And they had such a brush with death that it's like, yeah, if you didn't have a near-death experience, I'm surprised. And uh, and they will you know, it's like they had this near-death experience that they've long forgotten about. And in relation to that, let me say this, too. Another common thing, and this is, you know, there's a lot about near-death experiences that you're like, what? But this seems to be a thing, just because it keeps happening. Somebody may have a close brush with death, um, something really serious. And uh, and then and you ask them, did you have a near-death experience? No nothing. I, I remember nothing. I remember nothing at all. It's a, And they'll go months, even years sometimes without any memory of anything. And then something, often it will be, you know, reading a near-death experience or something, you know, they'll be looking at the stars or something will trigger a memory from that time. And they're like, well, wait a minute. I remember when I was done. It comes back in this rush. And it's this entire massive, beautiful, loving experience that happened at the time of their death. And and they'd forgotten it all until much, much later. And then it comes back in a rush. And sometimes sometimes it comes back in a rush initially, and then for the next uh, several months, years, whatever, they will get more memories of it. Now, usually once somebody remembers the experience of a near-death experience, it becomes impenetrably strong a memory. So much so that they talk like, you know, I may have forgotten it for five years, but once I remembered it, it's now as if it happened yesterday or today, as if I just woke up five minutes ago from it. I remember it that well. How does that work? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me, but... But it happens often enough that i can't i can't overlook it and i can't say that now that that's messed up what 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 you know you're making that up or or this is some kind of voodoo thing or something you know this is all this is stupid i can't say that because it's so common and more often than not in my experience at least in the experiences i've read people are very uncomfortable even talking about their experience. It's not like they're out to, uh, to try to make a name for themselves and become famous somehow. Um, Often that comes much later, if at all, um, because they've just felt drawn that they've got to do something with what they've, with the gifts they have. But most of the time they're like, I, I don't like sharing this, but this is a forum where you guys are familiar with this stuff. So I'll share it with you. Don't think I'm crazy. I, this is just my experience and I've never told anybody. And then they tell this experience. And so uh, with, with the after effects and I have these weird premonitions and stuff, but I can't tell people about that. They'll think I'm nuts, you know? And so it's not like this is uh, people who are doing weird chants to try to get these experiences and, and get this information and premonitions and stuff. These are people who don't necessarily want them at all, but they keep coming um, after they've had their near-death experience. And having said this, having talked about these after effects, um, I've come to realize that this is why, in the library, when you look up near-death experiences, um, and you find books such as Um, you know, Betty Eady's book and um, uh, Daniel Brinkley's book and, and the uh, uh, Burpo kid book about, uh, you know, heaven, heaven is for real, and so forth. They're placed right next to the books by psychics, and by dream interpretation, and by, you know, ghost sightings and UFO sightings, and, and all this stuff. It seems to be for that reason that so many who have had near-death experiences have these after-effects that fit these weird phenomena of psychic abilities and and premonitions and dreams and so forth that that they didn't have before their experience. And I will say this too because this was kind of a eye-opener for me, have you ever talked to someone who has weird experiences, that, like like a lot of seemingly ghost-like experiences, um, that lights flickering and, and uh, you know, they'll be in a room and they, they sense that it's haunted kind of thing? Well, a lot of times it seems that, you know, I, since learning about near-death experiences, I realize these sound like the kind of things that those kind of people experience. They, you know, lights flickering, or the computer's doing something weird, or they hear something. You know, to somebody who's had a near-death experience, they kind of get it. They've been on the other side, and they see what's going on on the other side, and how communication happens. So they're kind of like, oh, you know, that's Grandpa. He's trying to communicate with me. It could be that many of these people who have these weird experiences... um are sensitive to those things, but have no frame of reference to work with. And so they have, you know, lights flicker or weird things happen. And it may not actually be um, spirits from the other side at all, but it may actually be their own self. That something about them, that veil is broken a little bit, and yet they have no context to work with to know how this is happening. I, I I, have family who has discussed having weird things, and I I can't help thinking to myself, you know, you seem to be a very sensitive individual. It could be that it's you. It's not some ghost trying to haunt you or whatever. It could be that it's you. Your spirit just has some kind of electromagnetic sensitivity. It has maybe a, a little bit of an empathic empath- sense toward other people. And therefore you're going to feel, um, people present that maybe not don't seem to be, or, you know, (laughs) and it would be interesting to talk to these people and say, did you happen to have a near brush with death when you were little? (laughs) Because you seem to have the after effects that some people speak of with near death experiences. So anyway, I hope this episode doesn't scare you away. If you're new to near death experience, um, research because yes it's weird i acknowledge that it's weird i don't get it i don't know why it is like that the only thing i can figure like i said is there's some break in the veil there must be something about spirit spirit matter or spirit you know composition that either interferes with or toys with electromagnetic spectrum i don't know i don't I, what is that i don't it doesn't make sense to me but it does actually explain a few things uh, in regard to these after effects. So if you know someone that <laughs> that has had a near-death experience, ask them about some of these things. Do you ever have premonitions? Do you ever have weird things with the lights? You know? do you have um, do you have trouble with devices? Do you have trouble with wristwatches? Do you <laughs> Do you ever sense people's feelings? Um, and I think what you'll find is that more often than not, they do have some of that. Maybe not in any, in any level that's practical or useful to them, as might be the case for someone who can read people's thoughts and read people's emotions um, overtly. They may just get little splashes of things here and there that are like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to explain this, but this happens sometimes. And I think you'll find it quite remarkable how often that's the case. I, for example, my grandma, who had a near-death experience late in her life, um, she had premonitions, things all her life, dreams. Um, she would uh, talk to people and say, Hey, is, how's so-and-so doing? I, you know, I had I had a sense to call you because of so-and-so. And they're like, oh, How'd you know they were in the hospital? Well, I didn't know they were in the hospital. I just, well, you know, what's going on? And, and she'd, you know, she'd just have this sense about things. She would have... Uh, premonitions of the phone call, or that the phone was going to ring. And when I heard this, I'm like, this sounds like the after effects, but her near-death experience came much later in her life. She died when I was 13, barely 13. So I hadn't learned any of this stuff yet. I didn't even know um, prior to 13 that she'd had premonitions and things like that. I didn't know about that. But in studying her life later, because she was a writer and loved writing these... um, autobiographical stories uh, and many of them from her childhood to share with children because to, to, she loved writing and she loved children and she loved stories. And so she would write her stories and some of them would include experiences with being down with a sickness or being, um, you know, having a time of being ridiculously ill or, you know, Um, and her her mom had these kind of premonitions and things too and you look back on her mom's life what we know and it's like uh, that might be after effects I don't know anyway so I want to thank you again for listening keep listening and keep sharing this podcast with others if you have questions, if you have comments um, please uh, get them to me Uh, contact me in the comments, contact me by email, um, and I would like to converse on these things because I'm trying to understand this. I want to understand this. I'm studying these things and I'm continually amazed at what I can learn from people and from others who have had these kind of experiences. So with that, once again, thank you so much for listening.